Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to one of the 10 best English-language Fiorentina podcasts on the internet. Welcome to Viola Station. Happy Super Bowl Sunday to all those who celebrate. This is our first uh, podcast coming out of the window. Plenty to discuss, but none more promising than that Copa Italia success. Tito, I know you were watching, you were tweeting, and you were enjoying that. What were your thoughts? Uh, mostly just sheer unadulterated joy after the, uh, what was that, fifth minute of stoppage time. I, I'm still waiting for Michael Fabry to like stick his head around the corner somehow and blow the whistle and say, actually, I changed my mind. I'm taking that goal <laughs> off after a lengthy VAR review. And so until that happens, I'm going to enjoy it. But even then, I've got this this sense of doom hanging over me, which maybe is just what being a Fiorentina fan is. How are you doing, Mike? Uh, you know, that was that we were just talking about roller coasters, play, play, uh, you know, getting ready for this. I mean, that was a roller coaster ride and experience of a uh, Coppa Italia match. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how many people would have predicted, especially when we went down with LMQ, Milankovic comes on. I don't know how many people would have predicted that would happen. I mean, but man, it was it was needed. To, Beautiful. To quote producer Mike, it is nice knowing that Fiorentina, even after selling a uh, certain striker, has the best Serbian finisher in Serie A. That uh, feels pretty <laughs> well. Well, tell you what, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into the meat of this podcast, and I'm going to start this out as I always do by asking Mike, what are you drinking today? Well, as I mentioned, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm watching the game. I, I probably will at some point. But just in case I am, I'm going to hydrate. So I'm drinking some water this morning. How about you? Uh, I I am not watching the Super Bowl because I haven't watched a minute of uh, American football in probably five years. Yeah. Which feels great. Uh, it does. It's, it's not a good yeah. product anymore. No. Nah. Probably wasn't ever, if I'm honest. But regardless, mm-hmm. we can we can make that a different podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because it's you know 9 a.m. over here, I am uh, drinking a hot chocolate because I don't drink coffee because my body's Ooh. temple. What what type of chocolate? A, a a warm one. 
a warm one, a hot one. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not really hot anymore. I don't want to score. You know, I got a very sensitive uh, I want to scorch anything here. So yeah, yeah. Uh, did, did you did you make it yourself? No, no. I went down to the donut shop actually and uh, picked up a donut and a uh, and a hot a chocolate donut, for breakfast. Donut and a hot chocolate. All right, whipped yeah. cream. Uh, no whipped cream. No, no. It's too decadent. I, I'm like a monk here, living in a in, inside of a closet. You know. Yeah, I mean that's always the question, especially if you're gonna you know get a lid to put on top of your hot chocolate. Do you want whipped cream or not? Because then you lose room for more more hot chocolate. See, these are the important things that we talk these about are. here on Viola yep. Station. Yep. Little life hacks for you, everyone. All right, life's choices. Produ- producer Mike is giving us the eyeball, so let's go ahead and keep this show on the road. <laughs> let's talk birthdays. And uh, let's see, we're we're recording this on Sunday, so let's open up uh, Lucas Torreira turned just 27 yesterday for some reason i always think of him being a lot older i think because he burst onto the scene so young at uh at sampdoria but yeah 27 lucas torreira still probably not tall enough to get on those roller coasters <laughs> but we wish him a happy birthday either way it is our best uh, midfielder though so he has that yeah i think you can make that case uh, another another birthday today on the 13th of february guy we've talked up a little bit on this podcast this uh over this past season gabriele gori turning 23 and i haven't seen any of the pictures but i assume that he's still outrageously handsome so you know good celebration there i don't doubt uh thursday we've got another one gaetano castrovilli turns 25 which is just crazy to me like i i still think of him also as a very young player like just bursting onto the scene. And this is sort of a reminder that uh, maybe not the case as much. Like he's, he might kind of be who he's going to be. And do, do you think he's ever going to recapture that form from uh, from a couple of years ago that made him such a, such a big deal? You know, I, I was going to just ask you the same question because uh, I know we, we have this conversation from time to time. And uh, there, there's still at least some belief you're holding on to it that he can still turn the corner and get back to what he was because he's young. But, uh, you know, there was certainly a lot of promise. There was uh, that, that first year that he played here. I mean, that was just a phenomenal year. I mean, he talked about bursting onto the scene. However, since he since he found love, I, I, I'm just putting it right there, laying it right on the feet of love. Since he found love, he is a changed man. And he's no longer hungry. Is this another one we can pile on a Daniela Prade's doorstep? Because isn't he a? Isn't his fiance like Prade's niece or something? No, no. Okay, is that someone else? Different okay, person. yeah, yeah. We, we should probably yeah. cut that little comment then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna lay right at the feet of love. That that's what I'm 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 thinking it is. And I, no, I don't think he will be back. I'd like to see him have a decent rest of the year. And personally, I'd like to see us upgrade that position. Yeah, no, fair. And uh, yeah, well, here, here's hoping he does recapture that. But, you know, if it means that being uh, happily in love is the end result, I think that's great for him, too. Uh, and then Cheers to we, him. we've got one more birthday that's actually a pretty big deal big going one. on here. Yeah. Uh, on Friday, the 18th of February, Roberto Baggio turns 55. And holy smokes. Here's one for you. Is he the most naturally talented player Fiorentina has ever had? 
so I'll say this, having never seen him, only watched a lot of the clips and, and being fortunate to, to speak with so many of the locals over there, uh, it has to be undoubtedly so. Yeah. We're not going to be able to say anything about Bajo that hadn't been said before. But uh, definitely go dig up some clips of him yeah. uh, for Fiorentina and watch those for his birthday. Because you're not going to watch anything better. Just so, some of those goals. And with the ponytail, oh, just just the amount of romance in that. <laughs> yeah, Holy smokes. Ponytail. And, and, you know, just, just take into consideration, though, I don't know if at some point we'll announce Dushan and, and his birthday from, from leaving. I doubt it. But, you know, Baggio left <laughs> kicking and screaming versus the situation of Dushan leaving, um, you know, not allowing us to do anything except bring him to Juve. So, I, you know, it's kind of uh, apropos here that we have his birthday right after we sell Dushan in a completely opposite um, situation and scenario from Roberto Baggio. And that's why he's still loved and adored in, inside the city of Florence. Oh, what a uh, what a fun little scenario to set up there. Wow, how opposite <laughs> those two are, right? Uh, who could yeah. have thought that, that, that works yeah. out so well for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, that that does kind of get us into the Mercado, though. So let's go ahead and let's go ahead and jump into that. Uh, what what do you think was the best move from the January window, Mike? You know, I, I look at the situation of Dushan, and and that was a necessary move. Uh, we've talked about it on our podcast since last June. Uh, how this was going to play out the way that it did. Um, so I'm going to go with, I, I think the best move coming in was actually Cabral. He looks like he's a decent replacement. Is he going to set the world on fire? That's still to be determined. But the upside of of what this kid has, along with the record of, of gorse, the goal scoring is just phenomenal. So I think that there's a lot of promise in bringing him in. He's still very young. I think he fits in with Italiano's system very, very well. Having those two wings who are going to be focusing all their attention in the mid in, in the middle, and that's a big, big dude again. So I, I think if he could, you know, really hone in his skills, um, adapt to the Italian league, who. It's is always recognized as the defensive league. I don't think we're I don't think we're the defensive league that we were of, of many no, years ago. Definitely not. So I think that that's kind of overstated and overrated at this point. So I, I think he just needs to hone his skills uh, to a higher echelon of talent, not necessarily that it's a different way of playing. It's just a better echelon of talent. It's like you go from college to the NFL. He essentially is now in a professional league that has a whole bunch of everybody being professionals all the time. Uh, I, I like what they did here, and I think that this is a move that's going to bring a lot of promise, um, uh, not only this year, but you know, going into next year, probably even more so, when they build a team around him. Yeah, he, he definitely you? he definitely feels like one for the future to me. Also, yeah. this is in no way useful analysis, but I think my favorite thing about Arthur Cabral is the way that he runs is really, really funny. Like he runs with his, like his back is very straight and his chest is out and his shoulders are back. And he kind of looks like a cartoon character and he just comes tearing at people. And it's really funny looking when he's pressing uh, the opposing defense on the ball. <laughs> he, I, like he looks like he's just going to launch himself into them like a human torpedo chest first. And it's, 
every time I see that, I just crack up a little bit. So I, I do like him a lot. I, I think I will actually go with, uh, for the best signing, I think I'll go with Jonathan Ikone, which I know is a little bit weird because we haven't seen much of him. I know a lot of people are pretty bothered by that, which, yeah, sure, I don't blame him. But I think Ikone is a really good talent. Uh, he and Italiano seem to have a pretty good relationship already. Uh, Vinny's been joking about, you know, it took Platini six months to settle into Serie A, so we have to wait for Jonathan for a little bit to really be ready. And, like, to me, that shows that he he understands, you know, this is a really good player. It's going to take a sec for him to, to get settled in. That's fine. I trust him. He trusts me. We have a good relationship. And just the the skill set he showed at, uh, at Leo. Uh, again, I don't speak French. Sorry for that. Uh, looks looks really good. And also, like, he's got two assists already. Like, the dude can ball. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not too worried. He's going to be fine. And, like, do we really think Jose Callejon is going to do is going to be playing big minutes going forward at all like no of course not Ikone is going to be fine and I think he's going to be really really good in the future I, I am worried about that though let me just say because you know that I've been waiting to say this piece here why oh why is Kai why is why is Kayon still playing why you know Cabral comes in and he's coming in from Switzerland where there isn't very good levels of talent at least Ikone is coming in from France where there is a better level of talent that's being played day in and day out. Yeah, the systems are different. The languages are different. But still, let him play over Cajon. That makes no sense. His skills are that good. You mentioned it. Two assists, not that, that, not that much time being played. Put the skill on the pitch. I, I do believe at times Italiano overthinks things. I do believe that at times, you know, and it came out, uh, recently where, where, um, Italiano reportedly wanted Berardi, you got a Kona. He's not a bad player. Put the guy on the pitch or so teal one of the two. Well, I mean, I, I think a lot of this though, might not just be tactical. I mean, this is all, I don't know any of this for sure. Uh, lawyers, please, please don't bother our legal department <laughs> here. Uh, but there has been some theorizing that the reason Cajon has played so much is that there are incentives in his contract requiring that he play x amount of minutes start x amount of games or he is due a lot more money in uh in bonuses and so my assumption is that's why he plays so much and has played so much which if that is the case you're doing a thing with one eyebrow it's very enchilada-esque uh yeah that is the case shows that holy smokes was that a stupid contract to hand someone which i'm guessing is what you were going to jump on but also it's why we're seeing so much of him and you know it's not real cool but also means that at the end of the season he's gone there's no way they're gonna bring him back right please uh, I, i've never wanted a crowd fund so much in my life <laughs> oh man yeah that well anyways uh so i think the most surprising move we would have seen in the january transfer window would be a uh, a crowdfunding campaign to get Callejon's contract bought out and get him get him out of Florence on a Bosman. So I guess I'll say, since that didn't happen, what was the most surprising move? I'm going to say it was Piontek, because that just came out of nowhere for me. I didn't hear any rumors about that leading up to it. And it, I mean, he's looked okay. You know, he scored twice against Atalanta, albeit a penalty and a rebound off of his own missed penalty, which is hardly ideal. Uh, but he, he looked okay. Uh, good hold-up play for the most part, provided a little bit of an aerial threat, could have scored a really good header if he'd hit it with his forehead instead of, like, 
his upper lip. Ooh, uh, oh, painful. Yeah, it didn't look real fun. And like, I, I don't get how he fits in with Cabral, if at all. Uh, um, unless Italiano is serious about going to a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-3-1. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think he's fine as a backup. But, you know, the like the fact that uh, Hertha Berlin was really trying to move on from him after paying a decent amount for him. Uh, he lost his starting spot to Stefan Jovetic, which is just like <laughs> not 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 a name you expect to hear in the year of our Lord 2021. Uh, <laughs> y- you know, like apparently the only other club who was really in for him was Genoa. And so when it's Fiorentina competing with Genoa for a player, that feels a little bit weird, too, in a lot of ways. Because, I mean, with respect, clubs at pretty different places right now in terms of uh, in terms of ambition. So, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with him as a backup for the for the rest of the year. But like there's no way that Fiorentina is going to pay the 15 million euros to make that deal permanent. Is there? No, I can't see it. OK. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I'll say this, though. Uh, when you look at the window uh as of right now with Akone not playing that's the only position that we've actually upgraded and, and i've talked about crowdfunding to get rid of Kaheon. i i would i would be a mule for drugs uh to get rid of kokorin so you know like like there's a lot that goes into this situation here we did upgrade our backup forward and that's a very important piece i i I would really like to hear more about this scenario where you become a drug mule if it means getting Cochran out of Florence. Like what what would that look like? This sounds like a like a like a like a Sondheim movie or something. It, it, I'm really and and ironically, it. ironically, I have a trip down to Mexico skipped in a or scheduled in a, a week and a half. Uh so we'll see. Maybe this can actually play out in real time. And if Cochran leaves, like you know that I made it back, you know, to to the United States safely, and we we paid for that through what you would expect. Our lawyers are about to earn their uh, earn their retainer fees. That's great. That's really exciting. Uh, yeah. Who uh, who would you say was the was the most surprising move, or what was the most surprising move in your in your opinion? Uh, I was very surprised that the only position we theoretically upgraded right now was our backup forward. We were competing for Europe. At one time, we were in fourth and fifth place. Now, you know, we came in to the uh, transfer window in seventh. Now we're in eighth. And, and wh- where do we end up? I don't, I don't think we fall past eighth, but I don't think we move to seventh. There was plenty of opportunity, though, for this year to be a success in spite of having to move on from Dushan. And even having to move on from Dushan, you know, sending him to Juve, we didn't get that win. So it's like a double burn, which is what I think the fans are, are the most in uproar about. The, the most surprising move to me was I knew, which means everybody else knew because I'm getting my information from where everybody else is getting their information, um, that, that Dushon was going to be moving to Juve. And that was just it. you know. And it was Rocco who moved up the timelines in order to get more money now where he said he's not going to be moving until his contract is over in 18 months. If that's the case, why did we not make plans to upgrade other positions? 
that's the most surprising thing to me. And, and I know we've had this debate and, you know, people will talk about, you know, the good players don't move. Okay. Maybe the best players don't move. And if the good players are moving, they're moving for a higher fee. Who would have figured that Dushan moves for 80 million? I wouldn't have figured that he we would get 80 million from Juventus. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't have figured that. We, we should have upgraded in, in one of two positions. Midfield, which is still a gap for us. And defense, which is a glaring weakness for us um, in, in many, many games, especially the ones where we lose. It, it's typically, you know, you'll see those twos and threes down there on, on that back line. So uh, the most surprising thing is that there just, there just really wasn't a plan for us to improve in any position after we lost the best player not only just the best player, but he was the guy that really impacts the game for us. Like he sets up everything. I, I, w- I was confused. Uh, so I'm going to pull out two things from that. Mo- I mean, most of what you just said, I do agree with one. I, you don't think Ikone is an upgrade over say Callejon? Uh, I do. I agree. Yes, I agree. I think okay, he is. Cool. cool. I, I, making sure. I, I absolutely think he is. I'm, you, you had me scared there for a sec. Befuddled by the, the way that we're, we're using him in the first few weeks, first few games. I, I don't get it. Why, why is he sitting there? Uh, hey, go back just, to what I said. Cabral comes in from a lesser league, still the same language gaps. He wasn't playing on the same style you know, system, but yet he's thrown in to start the first game he's in there. And Akone, what, four or five games in, still isn't getting the minutes that he deserves or should. Uh, I'm again, I'm, I'm not as worried about it, but yeah, just, just making sure that there have been other upgrades, I think in other positions, uh, your overall point though, about, uh, some areas getting weaker, I think is telling. Cause like, look at who moved out on loan, like Eric Bulgar. I know that he hadn't really played much under Italiano yeah. with, uh, with Torreira on a red, on a red card for this upcoming game. Sure would be nice to have old Eric around, I think, yeah. uh, when Sofian Amrabat is the only other option. And they were clearly trying to move on from Amrabat as well. All those links to Spurs, I think there was absolutely fire behind that smoke. Oh, definitely. You know, I, 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 I get what you're saying. Again, like I'm, I'm not a huge fan of doing big business in the winter window. If possible, the Vlaovic thing, I think, is that was just a weird, exceptional moment. And uh, I mean, <laughs> we've talked about that enough. I, it's pretty clear that I think there is plenty of blame to go around for everyone involved. But I'm, I'm fine with more or less standing pat, I think, as much as you can. Uh, so r- real quick on, on the Polgar and Amrabat situation, I just want to kind of dive into that. Um, my personal thoughts are is that was an, an act of weakness. Meaning, and, I'll, and let me just define that so this way people aren't going to yell at me. And by people, I mean, you know, people inside the club. Um, we, we clearly wanted to come into this transfer window and get rid of Amrabat, which turned into we want to get rid of one of Amrabat and Polgar. Knowing that Amrabat has not been effective since he's come into Florence, knowing that he doesn't fit Italiano's system, and to be quite honest, the only impact that Amrabat has had since he's been in Florence has been in that dust-up with um, uh, Prandelli. We, we just couldn't get somebody to take him, and we found somebody that would take Pulgar, which is why, which is why I'm saying it was a, it was a situation of weakness. We, we made a decision to move Pulgar, despite him, I think, being the better player to stay, and, and just left him, you know, let him leave 
when we should have had a better approach to the market and finding somebody to take on robot. Your thoughts? I, I don't disagree. I mean, I, I feel like I have been uh, one of Fiorentina's foremost Eric apologists for yep. uh, for a year or two now. I still think he's a wonderful player and brings a lot of really, really useful qualities to any team he plays for. I mean, there, there's a reason he keeps getting picked for Chile, right? Like, yeah. they've got a lot of good players. Yeah. His, and he's he has still better games up. there than here. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I, sometimes, I think he's sometimes there was that <laughs> he had one issue. I think he's yeah. Whoopsie. Uh, I, no, I think he's had a lot of really good games for Fiorentina as well. Actually, I, I mean, he does. He's a little bit like a uh, Milan Badel was, where he doesn't do anything flashy. Like his particular genius is doing all the little things that you don't notice, and that don't stand out. Even if you look at like, you know, the numbers on like FB Ref or something, like he doesn't stand out as much. But he's he's just a glue guy. He he does all the stuff that lets other people do what they need to do. And I think that's a tremendous quality. And you need guys like that, especially in that kind of position, in that kind of role. But I mean, also, you know, the, the market is weird. I, maybe something broke down with Spurs where Amrabat's deal, you know, didn't go through. And so they had to shift Eric instead. I have no clue what happened there. So I, I can't really say. But yeah, I, I definitely would have rather had Eric around, I think. So, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? Well, it, it is where we are. So, uh, you know, I, I find it, uh, you know, just one of those next jumping off points as far as talking about the Mercado. Uh, I agree. I think having Pulgar in this situation would be much better. We, we lack that. So we'll just have to kind of make do with what we have, which would have been nice to have uh, an upgrade. Yeah, well. But now we have a downgrade. Yeah, no, that's true. And I, I think we do have to go ahead and discuss the uh, the elephant in the room now, which I've really, really been trying to avoid, which is the Vlaovic deal. Uh, I mean, first of all, we can all agree, damn it, right? Just first and foremost. Uh, but let me put it to you right now. Now that we've had, you know, a little bit of time to look back on it a couple of weeks, was it the right decision to sell him? Uh I agree wholeheartedly with the way that Rocco approached this in this window. Um, we would have probably got half the value had we waited till June. We got 81 million euros uh, is the reported fee, which is a, a huge amount for somebody that's 18 months left and really having a, a year of great football. Um, now, I personally believe that he is going to be one of the best players for many, many years, and he's he's not going to get any worse or downgrade in Juve. That's not going to happen. So for, for, for the first piece of this, we got great value for him, and, and Rocco did a good job of saying, hey, you're going to pay us the 75, which became 80. This window, or you're not getting him, you'll get him for free, you know, in 18 months. And and Juve's in a situation right now where they're kind of screwed. They needed yeah. him, and, and, and they look much better as a team with him. Yeah, it was definitely a perfect storm of circumstances there. Yeah, no, no disagreement. But let, let, let that, that, that's not the elephant in the room. You know, that, that Dushan left is not the elephant in the room. That, I'll go back to when we finished, what was it, August, um, the summer window, and we were on this podcast, and, and you asked the question, hey, you know, we had a, a good window, and, and we kept Dusan. Are you happy that we kept Dusan? And I said, yeah, you know, I think it's great that he's coming into this window. However, my only caveat to this 
I think it's good that we kept him as long as we sell him to anybody other than Juve. If we sell him to Juve, it's the worst decision that this club has ever made. Uh, producer, Mike, this, this is where you can insert the sad trombone noises, I think. <laughs> this is uh, a victim of previous circumstances. Um, I, I was actually told at one time, Ristich told Barone in one of the few times that they spoke, using his words against him, that Dushan will be a professional and play out his contract as he signed it with Fiorentina years ago. And if you remember, Barone said that publicly about Chiesa and Vlahovic. Um, this, this was something that was, was known to be kind of coming to a head. Why we let it get here is frustrating to me. I, I, I honestly think that it just is what it is. Um, taking that a step further, the communication to the club, uh, to the fans, uh, by the club to the fans, I, I think was was the the most unfortunate aspect of yes, this. Yes, that's that's what stands out to me about this. Like, you know, you got to lose a player sometimes. That's how it works, right? Yeah. But this this felt like a sporting, like less of a sporting decision than a business decision. Yeah. And I th I think that both of us generally understand, you know, running a club, it's a business. You got to run it like that. Yeah. But try glad it is run like a business. Yeah. I no. I mean, this is this is what you got to do if you're going to be competitive over the long haul especially if you're not one of the, you know, five or six biggest clubs in the world. Yes. You don't you don't print your own money the way that some of these other clubs do. The thing is though like like Rocco, Joe Barone, uh one of one someone needed to talk to the fans because a lot of the folks in the Curva Fiesole, a lot of the ultras, a lot of the people, a lot of the fans in the city of Florence are obviously really upset about this. Yep. And are accusing a lot of the management at the club of of ignoring the, the fans and their support for everything, which I don't agree with, frankly, but I can also see how you would get there and I can't blame them. And I think that that is really what chaps me and I think what chaps a lot of people about it is that it, they, they feel like their attachment to the player, their support of the team are just being ignored here. And those are immense components of what makes Fiorentina Fiorentina. And so when you when the club ignores those, which again it kind of feels like it. I mean, the the all the all the supporters firms, everyone have released statements asking for clarification why this happened after the club said it wouldn't happen. There's been no response. That's not a good look, I don't think. And I, no. I think I think to me that's really what uh what's at issue here. And uh, yeah, I. Yeah, I'm I'm real let down by that. I got to be honest. Yeah, you know, if you if we go back to right around Venezia, uh, Rocco released a statement on Dushan that said Dushan's not going to renew. Like, there's nothing I can do. He went public with it, uh, a situation that Dushan wasn't happy with. Ristich wasn't happy with. But Rocco was starting to play the game because he knew previously he was getting burned on a lot of these things from a negative publicity standpoint. You know, they, they were playing the game. And, you know, at that time, the club spoke with the fans. Baroni spoke with the fans and, and asked them to rally around Rocco. And they turned on Dushan. You know, go back to every game that, that he scored. Like, they weren't cheering his name. Yeah, that, the, the way they celebrated all of his goals where they, you know, they do the first name, the announcer, the yep. stadium announcer calls the first name, the fans call the last name. 
and instead of Vlahovic, they would do Firenze. That was yep. wonderful. I thought that was such a great gesture from the fans. I really liked that. So, so, so you know, they were supporting the club at that point over the player. And again, I, I think if this was positioned in a different way, where um, number one, they they weren't making promises that they're not going to sell him during January, weren't making promises that they weren't going to sell him to Juve. Everybody's known that he's going to Juve. Like the Cuerva knew those rumors were out there. Um, I, I don't get why we had to lie about that because it made it worse. You know, now flash forward, building up to this two weeks in advance, that's when he started seeing Rocco go a little bit more public. He, he released his 10 points. He started talking about the tampering that was being done with Juve, started going public about bringing in Inter into these conversations and what they do. You know, those are things that were strategically done and Rocco, and, and he needed to make them out there. Like those things needed to become public but he needed to restate those as far as the contributing factors after Dushan was sold as to why he was sold. Even if it's a, here's why Dushan had to be sold, that was necessary. But that's just not the way that the information's going from Joe Barone over to Rocco Camiso here in the United States. There's a lot of lost in translation, and that leads to a lot of hurt feelings, a lot of unknowns, and then a lot of situations that you see kind of playing out with the negativity and then Rocco coming out. The only time that he spoke after Dushan was in an interview telling the world how hurt he is by the fans reaction. Now the fans reaction, you know, the, the, the absolutely asinine atrocious poster that was put, put, put on the Ponte Vecchio. Oh yeah. yeah. Not a fan. Not a fan. No, that's, that's not a fan. That, there's no place for that. That's not the, a fan. The, the racism and the, yeah, the xenophobia and the bigotry, not and, okay and ever. That, that type of stuff, you know, the, the, the clubs, ACC, VC and ATF and the ultras came out saying, no, like that we don't support that. But that was the, that was the comment Rocco made, like, you know, how he's hurt by these things. When at the same time, the fans that have been in his corner and more importantly in Joe Barone's corner, during all of this, like he didn't address any of their, their wants, their needs, their desires and everything that they sent multiple messages to Joe Barone trying to get a response from the club on. There was no communication from Rocco, from Joe. And, and that's where I'm told by everybody that I speak with. Um, there's a breakdown in, in communication. There's a breakdown in trust. And there is a lot of hurt feelings across the board. And, and it's one of those things where everybody's more hurt because there's just a severance of, of, of ties and, and misunderstandings. Whereas if they actually just came together and there was better communication through, I, I really believe that there would not have been Rocco's hurt feelings, the fans crying out, screaming, you know, bloody murder and, and the situation that we're in. So, you know, communication really was the poorest thing, despite this being a very good deal for, for Florence, being a bad situation to send the best player in the league to their arch rival in Juve, that all that could have been minimized because it was a good deal for Florence. We got, we got some good money here. Now it all comes down to what do we do next? Can we spend that money in a positive manner and bring in good players and upgrade? I keep saying, can we upgrade this team? Yeah, we can compete with Juve. I mean, Juve, they're not a good team. 
know, they have a lot of deficiencies. They have a lot of players who want out. Look at the turnover that they've been going through. There's a lot of better run clubs out there. You know, can we be one of those better run clubs? That that's where that's where this situation kind of plays out. I I I don't know where it goes. Um, I have no inside information anymore. Whereas we've been telling you, you know, what would happen in this situation. Uh, Rocco has has honestly taken a step back. He has, like, you know, I, I know that he doesn't want to deal with a lot of this right now. When will he be back in Florence? That's the next big question. If you ask me, that's going to tell everybody what they probably should want to know is how invested is Rocco right now because he is hurt and he should be hurt. And I think that is something too. One of the things that the fans released in a statement was Rocco come back to Florence, like provide some account, like take some accountability, like for, for Joe Barone, your employees, like what's going on here. And I, I think that's really a fair request. Uh, yeah. I, I think you're spot on though, that it, it all comes down to communication. Like, you know, Serie A, it's a big business. It's, it's not personal. It's just business. Sometimes you got to do those, make those decisions. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it really is about communication. Yeah. And uh, the, the fact that, you know, here we are broadcasting this on a podcast, uh, d- talking about how uh, the club really ought to be communicating better. There's some kind of irony in there. I'm sure that you could draw out. Let's okay. Let's go ahead and wrap up uh, this Mercado talk here real quick. And uh, yeah, what do you, what's the final grade that you have for it? I'm I'm giving it a C plus, honestly. I mean, reinforced a couple of problem spots out on the wing, uh, added a backup striker, but got thinner in the midfield. And, uh, you know, the whole Vlaovic situation, as we just discussed, I'm not going to get back into it now. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a C plus for me. Well, where are you giving them? They pass? I'm also, I'm also in that C range. Um, yeah, I think we got very good value for Dushan. As we mentioned, we sent him to our arch rivals. Um, I, I, I don't think that we're that much worse off, but you know, in these situations, like you do want to see upgrades and, uh, I do believe Akone is going to be an upgrade. We just need to see him play more. I think Cabral will be serviceable. So you trade, you know, Dushan for Cabral, Akone is now playing, uh, but we have a lot of money that's coming in. I mean, honestly, Cabral for 14, um, Akone for 15. Those are great deals. Yeah, you know, for sure. Great, great deals. And, you know, it, it, again, it's not necessarily just that, uh, and we've talked about Berdiso, like Berdiso should have his fingers over all of these. Um, you know, Prade, I'm sure, had, had a big part to do with a lot of this. I mean, look at Torreya. We've talked about how he's the best player. That That's clearly somebody that that uh, Prade has been in touch with for, for many, many years. So, yeah, Sampdoria um, connections, yeah. You know, I, I, I think it's, I think it's in that C range Um, right now, because we didn't upgrade, I'm going to give it a C minus. I think that honestly, this window is going to be better graded in the summer when we start spending some of this money. And, Oh, where's, where's that money going to get spent? What, uh, what do you, what do you think is the, the number one priority now? (sighs) What is the number one priority? Sorry, um, besides Samuele Ritchie. Samuele Ritchie, who, who should have been a purchase, uh, along with uh, Augustin uh, Alvarez. Uh, you know, Both would have it, been it just, nice. It, 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 that's the part. It, 
we talk about it like the the January window isn't a huge window, but there were very very good players that transferred for very good fees. And and listen, Ekone is part of that, and so is Cabral. Very good, very good pricing. Richie, eleven million. I mean, that's a steal considering just in the summer they wanted sixteen to twenty for him. Alvarez. You know, now that that's one of those situations that just always plays out. Look at Skamaka, you know, deemed to be too much. And now his, his prices, his values doubled. Alvarez, you know, deemed to be too much. And now Inter and AC Milan are on top of him. So his price is going to go up. You, you either get the players you want when you have the chance to get them or you don't and, and you, you regret it. Um, so, you know, I, I think we need to really honestly take a look at it. I, I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to qualify for Europe. So we don't need a deep squad. You know, uh, we need con- to focus. I think conference league, conference league, I think is in play. You okay. don't seem impressed. I know. I, so I, I don't think that's going to, yeah, I don't. Um, so I don't think, so, so I don't think we need a deep squad. I think we need to start focusing on quality, meaning like we need to start taking a look at Castro Billy. Is he serious or is he just going to be a father? And again, nothing wrong with this. Like, I just think his priorities are different. His priorities are the same as mine. You know, like I, I would probably choose those same things and I don't, I don't fault him for it, but you know, he, he's not the player that we were hoping he would turn into. So I think we need to upgrade several positions. Uh, we need to buy Torea. We need to upgrade uh, in the midfield and we need to see where Malay is going to, going to play out. I think Malay is going to be the player that's going to be the best in, in that right now uh, group of players that we have. Uh, defense, Milankovic leaving. Um, Baragi, you know, I, I think needs to be upgraded. Uh, Odrid Zola, I don't think, cuts it in Real Madrid. And I don't think he's done enough here to get an upgrade to another better team. I think he's having a great time in Florence. So he'll, he, I think he'll actually stay on loan again next year. Really? I, I think so. Yeah. You, Ooh, okay. Do you think that he's, he's now showing that he has the ability to play in Real? No, no, I don't think he's ever going to be a Real Madrid player, but I think he's going to wind up back in Spain. I wouldn't be shocked to see him return to like Real Sociedad or something. I, I think he's having a great time. Like, why wouldn't he stay in Florence? I, I think, you know, play it out here while you can. Um, uh, so, he said he was very public about wanting to go back to Madrid, though. So I wouldn't be surprised if he wound up back in Spain by the end of the year, which like, hey, you know, I, that, that's not a shot at him at all. Like, yeah, dude, go go live where you want to live for sure. But I mean, he's had a good year here. He seems like he's fitting in. He's, you know, putting some Italian phrases on his social media. He's tr- clearly trying yeah, to fit is. in like good on him. Like he's, yeah, he's yeah, doing his yeah. job for sure. He's been he's been a model professional. He has nothing. Everything I've heard him, everything I've heard is that he's loving it. So, so people close to him, uh, or or close to 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 the people that I talked to that have been around him, have said that he's he's absolutely loving his time at Florence. Um, so I would not be surprised if he stays again next year, based off of the things I'm hearing. So you know, I, I think that it needs to be an evaluation the rest of the year. So if we're not going to qualify for Europe, and I think it's going to be hard. Now, what that puts us in is, you know, what does Nico do? Does Nico improve? Does he get back to the first few games that he had this year? Or is he going to be the same player that he's been 
you know, that, that just doesn't have a purpose with the ball. And it's just dribbling a little, you know, kind of lackadaisically too much, uh, running at defenders, um, getting battered to all hell. I mean, yeah, that, he that does dude's body, a, holy hell. Takes a beating. Um, you know, what does the Kone turn into? What does Sotil develop into? You know, is Cabral the answer or do we need another number one or do we need a complimentary player to him? Uh, Luca was just uh, sold uh, in this window. Another another young Italian professional that you, you thought would have fit in very well with Rocco's plans didn't come here. Uh, we talked about Alvarez, uh, you know, very likely going to another higher echelon team in Serie A now that he has uh, some of that visibility. I, I, I just have a lot of questions because I think we have good players, but in order to take the next leap, we have to upgrade these players. Like that's what we have to get comfortable saying. We have good players. Yes, no doubt about it. However, in order to get into the Atalantis, like look at the value of Atalanta players versus ours. They just have better players. Yeah, they develop them. But yeah, all right. We need well, better I, players. I think we can agree then that uh, the secret to being a better team is having better players. So I think yeah, that sounds like <laughs> a great focus for the summer mercado. I'm with you. I'll also throw a goalkeeper in there. Oh yeah, because uh, I don't think that Drangovsky is going to stick around, which makes me really sad. I love the guy, and still think that he's going to be a, a tremendous long-term goalkeeper. Uh, but it sounds like he's probably not going to not going to stick around. I love. Derechano also, he just seems like he's having a great time. Seems fun. Don't think he's a uh, a European caliber goalkeeper. Don't think he's a top six kind of goalkeeper. Again, I love the guy, and he seems like he is someone I would absolutely spend an afternoon like drinking beers with. Just cool, cool guy. But yeah, I think there's definitely going to be a lot of uh, a lot of reevaluations in the. Uh, yeah, over the second half of the season. But you know what? You you brought up Adelanto, so let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and talk about Ladea a little bit after that that Copa Italia win. And uh, what? Yeah, what's your what's the first thing you take away from that? Because obviously, real exciting, but also a yeah. lot of stuff to to think about in that. A lot to lot to mull over. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is is you know just listen to the first half of this podcast. You know, there was a lot of concern confusion uh hurt feelings you know th- this team the fan base the, the the squad themselves the the leadership inside of Fiorentina everybody needed some something good to happen like you know it, it was necessary coming into one of these games that we get something you know the Lazio game did not work out well no no it did not and, and when you when you go into this Atalanta game, I don't know how many people were confident. Um, but Italiano deserves all the credit. I mean, like, look at the 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 game plan that he put out there. The players executed almost to perfection. Um, an LMQ red may may have another story to tell. Uh, but the fact that that moment happens on really like the last possession, last kick of the game allowed Fiorentina fans, the club, the management, the leadership 
all to like soak in that the the just the pure pure exuberance of the moment. I, I don't care about anything um, recently. Like you know, when we talked about the Mercado, okay, that's all gone. You know, we can't impact it. But but the fans, the players, the club, Rocco, everybody deserved that eleven versus ten. We're down a player. Nikola, like who the hell would have figured out Milenkovic would 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 be the one that blasts that shot? Oh, and it was uh, uh-uh, he's done that before though. Two years ago in the season opener against Kiev Verona, he did that uh, while uh, basically dunking Jacarini through the crust of the earth and volleyed one home from outside the area. That's a thing he can do. Like this, yeah. that's not a fluke at all. That's that's what that's in his <laughs> toolbox. And and that's probably why a lot of clubs in Europe want him. I I, I would not have I would have never predicted that. Great and game. Honestly, that's probably what made it even better. I I would have never predicted going down a player that we would have won before it goes into extra. Like you know, no, like we just won it in, in extra time, man. Like it was beautiful. And then to see the players and and the fans celebrate together. How about how about the video? Of the fans showing up to the oh, train station. yeah. That was awesome. It, it, it was to, so necessary. To meet the team coming in on the train from Bergamo. That was, that looked pretty special. I, I would have I loved to have been there for that. This is what we need to talk about on these podcasts more, is, is things like this. I, I mean, uh, You, you I mean wish. happy things? Because yes, we, yes. we don't get to talk about happy things real often. I feel like that's definitely uh, <laughs> that's definitely something we don't get as much of. No, I'll I'll actually kind of double down on that. And looking at uh looking at more of a uh the players' side, like that's the kind of character we've been waiting to see from this yeah. squad for a long time. Like I've, I've uh, by the time this comes out, I will probably have published an article on the site about this about. The, the the how Italiano is changing the team's character and attitude. And I think that games like this really demonstrate that, uh, you know, like finding that kind of character, digging in, that's a huge thing. Like, you know, all the, the red card, like, you know, you could probably say that uh, there is no team that is better at playing a man down than Fiorentina because they get more red cards than anybody. So there's that. But like, you know, they were really good after going down. They were competitive. I think they probably allowed, they didn't really allow any, like any really good chances despite being down a man, maybe one or two, but like not, nothing as bad as they did when they had even numbers, I would say. Uh, and like that, that kind of character, that's what you want. It, you know, it's just so different from what we saw under Yakini, where the players were afraid of making a mistake. They were more afraid of conceding like the, the, the fear of conceding was greater than the joy at scoring. And I don't think if you want to be a, a top team that you can you can have that kind of mindset. I don't think it works. It just doesn't. You have to want to impose yourself. You have to want to take control. You have to want to dominate proceedings. And Fiorentina has not had that mindset in a very long time. And I think that performances like this show that that character is slowly building up. It's not, you know, it's not a straight line pointing up into the into the right, right? It's not steady growth. But this is the kind of landmark game that you can look back on and say, this, this is where it begins. This is, 
this is when Fiorentina started becoming a really, really good team that had that that character and that attitude to win. Yeah. So, so to me, like this is a this is. I mean, we've got the season highlight right now. You're not going to get a more dramatic or more incredible moment. But the the lead up to that too, I think, is it's just so important. And I, I don't think that we can. Uh, I don't think you can overrate that, honestly. You know, I think you bring up a good point. And as you did, the first thing I'm thinking of is, you know, the the milestone game last year was that game right before Christmas where we beat Juve, just demolished them. Yeah, that was awesome. But the question remains: Is this a game that, with Italiano at the helm, can we capitalize on that and get momentum in our favor? Or like last year, do we lose that? And, you know, then we have to kind of falter and, and you know, pick things up every once in a while and, and step back a little bit. So, it, you know, right now we have Spezia, which should be a very winnable game, despite the emotions in it. Yeah. Um, we, we need to start seeing where, where we go from here. So I, I, I'm hopeful. Oh, I'm definitely, I mean, again, like, you know, you can't take too much from a single game. They're all yeah. like weird, self-contained, little chaotic systems, right? Or you, can, you can't predict anything ever uh, over the short term from them. But I think that that's a really important thing. I think it also demonstrated that uh, even without Vlaovic, like this is a good team full of really good, yeah. talented, fun players yep. in a way that we haven't had in a long time. It's not, it's not nearly as grim and dire is it's been for the past, what, three years probably? And that feels great. That just feels really nice. Like, as a fan, I know we want Fiorentina to win every single game and win the Champions League and the Copa and do the treble, the quadruple, the quintuple, whatever. But if, you know, if that's really what you want, you're a Bayern Munich fan yep. instead of a Fiorentina fan, right? So, like, forget it. Uh, I, I, You know, we're seeing a team that's fun and, and talented. Oh, yeah. And after a, after a few rough years of not seeing that, I think that's enough. I really do. Yeah, you're seeing a team that's capable of giving joy back to the fans, which for the first time, as you said, in three, four, five years, that's the difference. Joy. That's, yeah. We need it. And, and also the chance of a trophy. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, quick answer. They going to win it? They going to win the Copa? I think it should be prioritized. Uh, oh, yeah. two games against two, two games against Dushan. That's going to be tough. But in my, in my personal opinion, this should be, this should be prioritized this, this over the rest of, of, uh, the season. I'm, I'm with you. And I mean, also three games, like I, like I said earlier, like that's just anything can happen over three games. Yeah. You know, you, uh, you get a good result against Juve, which we know this team can. Yep. You do that once you do that twice. Then in the final. Anything can happen. Anything. And, and we know our fans can get in Dushan's head. We know our fans can get in Dushan's head. That that atmosphere in, in Florence for the return like is going to be something else, isn't it? Even Holy those fans smokes. traveling. Even those fans traveling that first leg. Go back to Venezia. When Rocco made those public comments and the fans got on him during that game, he played like shit. So those fans will be the ultimate or can be the ultimate equalizer yeah, in these next two games. No, I I really think so. I'm I'm. Yeah, th- this is ex- as excited as I've been in a long time. I mean, Fiorentina could win a trophy. Yeah. 
it's been a minute and i would really like that uh i would love to see that all right well let's let's take this thing to commercial break we'll be back here in a sec uh wrap this sucker up so yeah don't go anywhere Now that we're back here, back end of this podcast, uh, let's go ahead. We, we talked about if Fiorentina could win the Copa. Well, yeah, what, what are your expectations for the rest of the year, Mike? Uh, my, my expectations have changed. Uh, I, I believe that we'll finish outside of Europe, eighth place. My expectations are we prioritize uh, the Copa. Uh, I don't know if we could beat Juve, but as we said, coming out of uh, the first um, part of our, our, our podcast here, uh, I I, re- I do really believe that the fans will have a big say in where we go over the next two Copa Italia games. So, um, let's see. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. I, I'm actually in the exact same spot. I think eighth place looks about right. Uh, I don't think this team's probably good enough to leapfrog anyone, but I think it's too good to really fall behind, barring I agree. any you know utter catastrophes. Agreed. That said, you know. Roma does have Jose Mourinho as their coach, which means they're probably a month <laughs> out from a complete meltdown. So maybe, maybe they pass Roma. Who knows? Uh, but it, you know, I, I think I think what you brought up earlier is uh, that this is really just a a few months to evaluate things. Is is dead on? Uh, is there? Yeah. Is there anything that would you know that would make you panic? I mean, if this is just an evaluation period, basically. Uh, what would have to happen for you to really, really get worried? I, I don't see us falling to the to the right side of the table, to be just absolutely frank and honest. I, I So I don't even see that as a possibility to even mention in the segment. I am I, furiously knocking on every wooden surface I can find right now. <laughs> um, so, so knowing that this is an evaluation period, I'll go back to the business side of the game. I personally believe that the focus should be evaluating who are the players that we could keep and build a team around and who are those players that we would need to sell sell being the key word not loan you, you know because you, you don't want three years of uh, of loans and then the contract runs out for everyone I, I i all i hear about from prade is that he has all these players on loan including his own players that he's purchased sell who are the players that we want to sell and then upgrade? Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll say this one piece. What would make me disappointed or want to panic is if we continue to devalue players like Dronkowski, like Castrovilli, that we need to be able to sell and upgrade those positions with some of the Dushan and Chiesa money that's coming in in the summer. That's number one. Like we, we need to get away from putting down players and not having them being able to spotlight, showcase their talents so we could sell them for some type of profit. Like we need cash. Stop loaning all these players out. Sell them. Cash even, believe it. Even after selling uh, Vlaovic for that much, you think we still need cash? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Cash rules Ooh. the game. Go, go back. What 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 is Wu Tang saying? Saying, huh? Cash rules everything around me. Fiorentina get the money. 
Oh, so, sorry. I, I thought it was uh, bringing the ruckus. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, different ruckus. Gotcha. <laughs> well, that, that's what Rocco says. Rocco ain't nothing. You know what? So, um, uh, you know, but no matter how no matter how wealthy Rocco is, Rocco and he talks about Rocco money, financial fair play is going to be Rocco money. So we need to be able to sell players instead of loaning them because we get nothing out of it. So, um, you know, I, I think we need to figure out who we need to, to sell, who we need to upgrade, um, and, and then who's going to stay to build the team around. But no matter what, we need to stop devaluing our players. So, you know, we need to start playing beautiful Italiano ball and uh, figuring things out. Like that, that's, that's the key to success and not getting into a panic situation, completely honest. Yeah, no, good keys. I mean, I think for me, it's more making sure the players don't quit on Italiano. Hmm. We've seen that happen uh, under the past two coaches Fiorentina have had, right? Like the team very clearly quit on Beppe partway through last season. Uh, like they just they just gave up. Like, let's be first, honest. First time and the second time. Yeah. Like which, you know, all kinds of reasons for that. We don't have to go back into that. I don't want to bring up the dark times again. Uh, but then also bust up with Prandelli with a uh, Biragi and with Amrabat, you know, that's yep. another, that's another uh, incident of the players quitting on a, on a manager. So I think that is the really the one thing. I mean, you know, if, uh, if Gaetano Castrovilli and Nico Gonzalez can't snap out of their funks a little bit, I'll be a little concerned. Uh, if Cabral and Piontek are both flops, be a little concerned, but for me, it's really the uh, the team giving up on Italiano. The other thing that would make me panic, I think, is bot flies because they're just scary as hell. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously, just go Google bot flies or YouTube. It's it's really really horrifying. Uh, and I think the Twitterverse would be really concerned if you ran out of taper facts. Every time I do Twitter, that's all I hear about is is what what do I have from the taper facts? Yeah, yeah. The the, the top year files are very very important to top what we year. do. Yeah, yeah, at, uh, yeah. Here at uh, here at Viola Nation. Uh, all right. Well, is, is there a let's let's wrap this little uh, segment up. Is there a way for this team to be more consistent? Like, what what's the secret there to not you know getting shelled by Lazio and then beating Atalanta a few days later? I I am a man of consistency, and I will say that it should have been upgrading the squad during the Mercado. That's the that uh, is definitely Pee Wee's word for this episode is upgrade. Upgrade, take a drink. Uh, so now that we haven't done that, I mean, I I just think that it's all buying into Italiano. There, there's nothing anybody else can do at this point other than Italiano to impact the season. Can he motivate the players in training? Can he develop them? And can he get them to do what he needs them to do in the game? That's it. That, that's that's the only key that we have is the brilliance of Italiano. All right. I'm actually wholly in agreement with you there. I don't have anything to add. So let's let's go ahead and close this up with uh, with some shout-outs to uh, some of the other Fiorentina players here. And uh, let's start out with Fiorentina Femminile. Do you have any uh, any shout-out players you want? Any shout-outs you'd a, like to give? Not not a shout-out, but more, maybe like a, uh, you know, wake the hell up. Um, how about that? Can, can we Can we do that? I think we can do, yeah, shout like under the window to wake people up. Yeah, no, that'll yeah. Work. You know, uh, I, I know that I know that this is a transition year, uh, and that was mentioned. Uh, we brought in Ponico. Um, I, I I disagreed with this to begin with, 
a lot of that had obviously to do with uh, a lot of uh, personal relationships that I've had. Um, and, and also just knowing how a lot of the players, you know, have factored into buying into uh, Chincota for all of those years. Uh, th th there is a lot of systemic issues involved with the Fiorentina Femenile. Uh, however, what a lot of the fans were concerned about is that we weren't purchasing. We had one hell, one hell of a transfer window that we just came out of. And we are still playing like absolute ass. Um, here's what I would say. Chincota with these players would not be in the position we are right now. Fighting off relegation. Losing in the Coppa Italia to Empoli. Empoli. I'll say it again. Empoli. Um, who do not field Samuel and Richie. Who, who do not. Uh, maybe Samuela, Richie, or you know somebody along those lines. Uh, uh, hopefully, she's as good looking as as he is. Uh, so, I, I, I guess it's more of a wake up. I, I, I don't understand what's going on. I, I just think that it's uh, a bad situation. The fans again, all, have been very rambunctious to say the very least. So I have no shout outs. I, I think the players are are capable. I honestly just think that it's more of a coaching issue at this point has nothing to do with a, uh, uh, an overhaul. We just had an overhaul on the men's team with the Taliano and it was a positive thing. We just bought a bunch of players on the women's team that are absolute studs. Like you don't get better talent than what we just brought in. You need to now perform. You know what? Uh, no real disagreements. That said, I do want to, uh, highlight uh, Valentina Giacinti, who, uh, you know, came from Milan on loan in January. And in her first game for Fiorentina, came against who? Of course, Juventus. And what does she do? I'll give you a guess. She scores. Like, if you want to, uh, if you want to make the Fiorentina fans love you, Scoring as Juventus on your debut is probably the best way to do it. Yeah. So I I, I think it's worth highlighting her. She's, yeah. Uh, scoring as Juve on your debut, what else can you possibly ask for? Uh, yeah, that's just fun. I really am thrilled about that and hoping that we'll see a lot more of her and uh, Sabatino and Vero Bocchete uh, all, all linking up. So yeah, no, I, I think that'll be cool. So yeah, Chachinti, I think is the is the one I'm going to choose for that. Uh, we'll tell you what, let's let's jump into the Primavera. So let's, uh, yeah, for me, I think the guy who stands out is, and I apologize to our Albanian listeners because holy smokes, am I not going to say this <laughs> right? Uh, is Elian Tosi? He's a he's a he's a big kid. He's a he's a striker, which I like. Always need a good striker. Just turned 19, uh, I think last week, actually. Uh, he's got six goals in, and an assist this year. Uh, he's got four in his fast, four goals in his past five, five or six games, all from open play. Uh, he, he's made his, uh, he made the roster for the senior team in October against Lazio, which was pretty cool. And he's a uh, cap. He captains Albania's U19s. He's even earned a cap with the U21s. I mean, I think he might end up being a, a pretty dang good player, which is fun because I was not 
I was not real high on him uh, before the start of the year. I thought he was just a, you know, another long shot punt teenager. And now all of a sudden, holy smokes, he looks really good. I think we'll resign him. Sorry, too soon. Oh, no. come on, no. man. What? <laughs> Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't like that. All right. You know what? Okay. You know what? You you give yours while I just sit here and stew quietly in the corner for a little bit. Uh, so so thank you, Tito, for allowing me to uh, transition into uh, a, a very good Mercado move. Uh, and, and I'll try to, I, I haven't heard his name pronounced. Asan Sek? Sek? I don't know. So, so we'll go with that. Um, I think that there's a lot of promise with this kid coming over. Uh, there's definitely people having high expectations and, and he's definitely had some very good performances um, already converted a goal. And we're, we're two out of three, as far as uh, games played and games won when he's been in them uh, young kid, I think he's 18, you know, he's here on a loan with a right uh, to, to redeem. And I think a lot of people are saying that, that this is a player that's a, a no-brainer to redeem at the end of the year. And being 18, I would assume that the idea is you see enough of this kid in the Primavera that he can move into the club at some point over the next few years. That's the only reason why you brought by an 18-year-old upstart, you know, highly thought of Primavera player. Um, so, so I, I don't have too much information on him, but you read between the lines here and you see the performances that he's given, you see the interviews that have been done with him already. There's been a lot of publicity put on this kid. Let's watch to see what he does the rest of the year. It's going to be interesting. Well, let's see if he winds up, uh, on this, on this, uh, in this next category next year, then, uh, who's the yeah. Loney who's standing out to you the most, uh, big Z. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. I think the best bit of business done in this Mercado was Prade sending Benassi over to Empoli. Has nothing to do with Benassi not playing here or getting more opportunities to play over in Empoli. I think he was sent over as a spy. I think he was <laughs> sent over to actually start doing some scouting. Like his, his big Z capable of coming back to Florence next year and playing with this squad. He looks that, like an Italiano player to me too. Just absolutely. All motor all the time. And, and at some point, probably soon, Benassi's probably going to see himself off of the pitch and, and, and uh, needing to coach or something. Uh, so, so, you know, this is probably setting him up himself up for his next career. So I, I think he was sent over as a scout reporting back to Prade if uh, Big Z has the ability to come back and, and be a nice, big, movable force in that midfield uh, for Fiorentina next year. And that would be a nice, cheap option for us, too. Yeah, I I, I got to say, I'm thrilled that Zerkovsky has just been tremendous this year. I mean, yeah. I, I remember when we first signed him, we uh, we talked to a couple of people who watch a lot of uh, a lot of the Polish league who live in Poland and they said, you know, this kid is really, really good. He's going to have a long career in the top tier. Fiorentina are getting a, a future star. And it, you know, he had a little bit of a rough first, what year and a half. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm just thrilled that after all of that, he's finally getting it together. Uh, I yep. think that, I think Empoli actually have an option to buy him and then Fiorentina Correct. have a, a counter option, right? 
Yeah, very it, cheap one. Okay, very cool. affordable. So I, I assume um, that I assume they're going to trigger that just because he's. I mean, he's even if he's not in the club's long term plans, he's earned a. He looks like a fifteen million euro player right now, minimum. I would guess, which, which but, is definitely an upgrade. Yeah, talk about that word. There it is, upgrade. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah he just looks like he would make Fiorentina way better. I'm I'm so thrilled with him. Do you, do you remember? Was he a Cor- Corvino purchase? Yep, I think he was. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I you know when you think about the history Don't, of Prade oh no. and, and Corvino, oh no, that's You're, that's oh the, no. That's the only Mike concern I have. Mike, don't do this to me. Mike, that's the only Mike. concern I have that will make the right decision. No, Mike. No. However, no, no. Let's spin it around here. So <laughs> here, here's how this actually works out well for everybody. Prade is selling him to Empoli. He sent Benassi to scout him this year, and because of his expert scouting capabilities, Prade is going to buy him for the first time for Fiorentina. Wheels, wheels within wheels. It's genius. Wheels it's genius. It with a I like it. No, this sounds great. Uh, no, I, th- I think Big Z is. I mean, he's basically going to be every every time we do one of these, he's going to be the loney who's standing out. Uh, I, I will flag up a different guy who is also one of your favorites. I recall uh, Big Samuel Espaluto. Yep, uh, he's on loan out of the Gubbio, I think, and is. He's been great recently. Uh, he's got five goals in his past nine games, all from open play. Uh, he's scoring headers. He's scored with his right, with his left. He's just ah, he's just a tank. Like you look he at is. him, he's, he's built like a fridge. Like he, he I, I kind of like watching him just because he looks different from most players. Because he's just he's sort of he's sort of built along Igor lines, where he's there's just more of him than you expect there to be for a professional soccer player. And I, I really like that. Uh, you, I mean, you watch him and you see how built he is and you go, yeah, I could see that he was probably yep. a kickboxer as a kid and came to the game late. He's just a, oh, he's, he, yeah, he's just really large. Uh, he's also turning 21 uh, in a couple of days on Tuesday, the 15th. Shout that out as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the fact that he's scoring like this as a 20-year-old in, in Serie Chief, sure. But, I mean, we, we've talked about this before with Gabriele Gori, for example, that, uh, you know, these these strikers who were just bigger and stronger than everyone else at Primavera level and scored a bunch of goals, generally when they go out and start playing, even in the lower tiers, in Serie C, Serie B, you know, they're playing against grown men who are also professionals and who are big and strong as well. And they usually take a few years to hit the ground and really sort it out and let the, the mental side catch up a little bit and not have to just rely on that, on their physicality. Spoluto has been the other way. He's, he's gone out and he's just bullying guys who are 10 years older than him. And I, I think that's really fun. I, I really hope that he winds up uh, winds up getting another look. I mean, I don't think he's ready for the first team at Fiorentina yet, but I think you could probably drop him in Serie B right now and he could come in as a backup and do a job. I think he's probably three or four years away from being a, uh, a perfectly competent top-flight player. I remember when I was over there interviewing him um, post-game, and then we did an interview with him as, as far as like a full – 
the dude is is he's a dude he's a dude i mean you know <laughs> if if this was renaissance florence he would automatically be the guy that that somebody was picking out to sculpt like like his his dimensions are just like sculpting dimensions um and I would say this, it doesn't come by accident. I remember speaking to Bajika, and this was around the time of, um, uh, what's his name? The, the, the kid that came from, that I interviewed that came from England. Bobby Duncan. Bobby Duncan. Around the same time that Bobby Duncan was there. Um, now this was, you know, Bobby Duncan was working his way out of the club from a whole bunch of malfeasance. Bajika used... Spoluto as as the example of uh, what you should versus what you don't do. You know, don't be Bobby Duncan. Be be Samuel Spoluto. Like he he was there every day before and after practice, working harder than anybody else. I mean, um, he, he looks like he ate the bench press. Like he's just enormous. <laughs> like so he's, he's twenty one. He's 21, so he was probably 17, 18, I guess, was a three year since I was there. Um, so he, he was he was 18, you know, 17, 18 uh, when I met him. And he was he was a dude back then. Uh, <laughs> but it comes it comes from from a hard work rate. And uh, those are the things that you want to see. Very, very humble person. Um, again, Corvino found him. I remember the story. Corvino found him in, in like a local uh, football camp that Fiorentino was doing in a t- in a town far away from Florence. So they yeah, had to bring from, him in. He's from way down south. Yeah. Yep. So they had to bring him in, and it was a culture shock for him when he came in there. So so again, sorry to dive into to Spaluta there a little bit more, but anytime you bring him up, I think his story is nah, worth telling. I know he's one that, of your guys that that's that's what you want to that's what you want to see rewarded it is um, from a player there it is and he's um, just and he just looks so distinctive he's so dang big man i love yeah, the guy he's just no a doubt. big galoot out there bodying people I, I, there's something about a striker who's just a battering ram that you gotta love so yeah no i'm i'm a huge fan of, of big sammy spaluto and uh yeah i think he's developing fantastically and he does have that drive no so doubt Here's hoping he keeps going. So I think we're winding things down, correct? Yeah, no, I think so. Uh, one, one last birthday wish, if you don't mind me throwing out there. Uh, tomorrow, no. tomorrow, my daughter, Wilhelmina Viola Rose McCormick, is going to be on Valentine's Day, two years old. So I want to spend uh, or send a, a, a special birthday shout out to my daughter, Mina. Uh, who's just absolutely amazing, uh, amazingly beautiful, amazingly funny, amazingly trouble, uh, all at the same time. And, uh, you know, just just uh, bringing everybody so much joy here, uh, especially during a pandemic. You know, it's one of those things where the pandemic was a blessing and a curse for so many things, but there were so many opportunities that I would have never had had this pandemic not forced me to be home for the first 18 months of, of her life. So, um, you know, just a, a great experience and, and I'm so thankful for it. So again, I just want to take a, a minute to, to send a, a very special birthday wish to uh, my daughter, Mina, who's going to be two years old tomorrow. We can't end on a better note than that. 
uh happy birthday mina goodbye everyone that was damn mike i'm tearing up we'll uh we'll see you next time viola station is hosted by mike and tito producer mike produced this episode our theme song is great catch by Windchime weather check them out at windchimeweather.bandcamp.com viola station is the podcast from violanation.com viola nation is part of the sv nation network forza viola Podcast Network.